Welcome to Scars to Stars, where conversations and personal stories let us know we are not alone. In this show, you will meet authors and speakers from our books and events as they share vulnerable personal stories to spread hope and inspire you through adversities in your own life. The world is a difficult place. You will find like-minded people here with kind hearts and supportive souls. I am your host, Dina Brown Mitchell. I am a suicide survivor and the founder of the Realize Foundation. I am so glad you are here. Let's dig into this meaningful conversation. Hi there, it's Dina, and I'm back with Carl Binger, and we are going to be talking about surviving depression. And so, Carl, I would love for you to introduce yourself or your subject a little more if you'd like. Absolutely. So, um, as Dina said, my name is Carl Binger, and um, I'm a licensed New York State mental health counselor. I've been a therapist and a counselor since 2014 when I graduated from grad school and, uh, you know, just kind of got into the field and got my feet on the ground and Let's see. I went into private practice about, I think, six years after grad school. And I started a private practice in 2019. The name of the practice is Luminance Mental Health Counseling. And the theme of the the practice, the name is, you know, Luminance means light. And I want it to be a light to depression. And so um, I started the private practice in 2019 on Valentine's Day. And I wrote my first book in last year. The name of the book is The Progressive Darkness. And I wrote about my experience uh, with depression to try to help uh, men uh, and women, but especially men, to uh, know that it's okay to talk about depression. It's okay to uh, ask for help. It's okay to need help. And last year, I also started a Facebook group called Surviving Depression. It, it, I think it was last year. It could have been the year before. But I just, I, I actually, it was the year that COVID started. So I think that was 2020. Mm-hmm. So in 2020, I started the, the group. And I think in 2020, I also wrote the book too. But I, I started the group to, to help support people dealing with depression, especially during the pandemic. And the group started off really small, like 20 to 30 people. And now it's like up to 600 people. So it's not, you know, it's not a ton, but man, from where I started, that's a lot, you know. That's awesome. I'm so excited about that. And I am, and I'm one of those 6,000 people. And um, it's 600. Oh, 600. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. (laughs) Dream big. I I was manifesting for you. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, it's, um, Carl's doing some really cool things with the Facebook group. But also, I want you to talk about the barbershop yeah. situation you're doing. Absolutely. So everything kind of started when, right? So at the, when the pandemic started, I'm sure as every, all the listeners can attest to this, everyone was, bored out of their mind like right because we couldn't do nothing just stay in the house and and think of creative ways to help humanity right and so um what i did was uh along with the book along with the facebook group i started to uh try to like work on these workbooks 
on navigating depression and things like that. And after, after about a year or so, I was like, man, I'd love to be able to do like talks and workshops somewhere. And so my barber was like, Hey man, we know you're a counselor. Can you just kind of talk about your experience with depression? And I was like, yeah, man, anytime, just ask me anything. And then after I was, you know, barbershop talks, you know, people get very transparent in barbershops and it's like, it's like a place of solace for a lot of people uh, in the community. It's like their counseling session almost. And so the barber was like, hey, man, this was so special. And you're such a good speaker when it comes to the, this type of thing. Would you would you like want to do something like this quarterly where we invite a bunch of men and we just talk about depression? I said, absolutely, dude, let me know. And so we've kind of just been doing that since then. And um, I did one recently, and I think there are about 20 men there. And uh, it was a great talk. I always have really fantastic. And it's not because of me. It's because of the men that are there. The men that are there offer phenomenal insight. I, I love it. I always walk away from it. I think help just as much as they do. And so um, I love doing them. I look forward to them all the time. They're always a very helpful and insightful time. And so um, along with things like that, you know, I just try to do talks in the community to uh, help bring insight and awareness and break the stigma around depression, you know. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I think the there's three parts to our mission. The first one is conversations. The second is community. And the third is personal story. And I think that we can change the world with those things because, you know, I know therapy is necessary and helpful and all of those things. But I think that human connection in a peer-to-peer situation really is very helpful as well. And um, I know for, for me personally, I never wanted to talk about anything because I never came across anybody who had survived a suicide attempt that was open about it and made me want to talk about my experience. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was that that really drove the mission of this organization. And I also think that I know our, our, our number one mission is to reduce suicide rates, but if we're looking for just people who are already at suicidal ideation, we are not, we're not really catching people before they get there. Right. And so the idea is through our community and our personal stories and our, in our books that we publish are hopefully reaching people before they get there. Maybe they're in a struggle, but they're not quite to ideation yet. And they're saying, okay, well, I just read this chapter and this person has been through something really similar to me. And I even have a link and I can reach out to them and talk to them or I can join the Scars to Stars Facebook page, or I can, you know, get involved and tell my own story because it's very healing to do that. Absolutely. So that's kind of the things that, that we, wh- how we look at conversations and community, because it's easy to tell people, we well, need to talk about it. You need to have a conversation, but if you don't have the right space to do that, it's really hard. Absolutely. Yep. That's very true. And uh, that's why, similar to you guys, I started the Surviving Depression Facebook group is I wanted to have a space for people to feel 
comfortable and vulnerable enough to actually uh, share there. And I, uh, you know, try to model that as much as possible and not put the burden on others to do it. Um, and I think in doing so, people feel more comfortable seeing, okay, this is a, a man who is not afraid to show his feelings and talk about his weaknesses. That enables a lot of people to come on there and do the same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think another thing that might give people some hope in their own situation is if you could tell us how you began talking about that, because I know that there was a point in time when you said, okay, I'm going to talk about this and you hadn't before. So what did that look like for you? Yeah. So, um, the, so for me, the experience of depression, I think that really opened the floodgates for me to, to talk about that, this particular topic more. I, I think before depression, I was, you know, a pretty transparent guy. But I think um, with the severity of it and how deep it drove me into darkness, it really forced me in a good way to just really just not hold back with anything when it comes to people suffering and, and being hurt and being vulnerable. And, you know, so uh, for me, it, it started way back in college when I first went through depression and I think it, it, the experience itself just really broke down a lot of, I guess, stereotypes for, for men dealing with mental illness and, and men just suffering and how to deal with suffering in the face of a society that tells you you can't suffer or you can't look weak. You know what I mean? And so it started back in college for me and I, I had no idea what was going on. And it started with like all the typical symptoms you read about, you know, my sleep was being affected. My diet changed. My, my mood was low depressed. And like on, on the tail end of it, I started to feel suicidal as well. You know, so I had like all the textbook symptoms and irritability and things like that. And, but it just progressively got worse. And that's the title of the book I wrote is the progressive darkness because it progressively went from a cloud to like a pitch black curtain of misery, you know? And um, I think that experience, um, and I, if I could attribute it to something for me, I think it was like a biological, you know, situation. Like, I don't, I don't think it was a, a situation where, I mean, I think stress of school and, not knowing the unknown certainly contributed to it too, but it was, I think it was, it was biological. I think there was a chemical imbalance. I think it was something that was in my family and it just, you know, it just kicked in at that particular moment in my life. And, you know, maybe some stressors brought it on at that moment, but it didn't go away until I eventually got on medications. But while I was going through depression, I made a promise that, you know, if I were to come out on the other end of it, I wanted to help any, anyone else who suffered in the same way so that they never feel alone, you know? And so, and uh, I didn't think it could be used for any good. Like I, you know, I believe in God and I believe there's a purpose. And I was just like, there's no way you can use this for good, uh, God. And I think he did, 
you know, he said, I, I'm totally going to use it for good. And so I really just keep looking back on that, like, wow, you know, so. Yeah, I think I feel the same way. As, and I think we've talked about this in our community a lot is how scars, scar tissue is stronger than regular skin and how we can, if we can heal from our scars, we can use it for good and we can do exactly what you said and help people, help other people know they're not alone and someone else has been there. And that's really apparent in everything we try to do through our events and through our books and, and, you know, all around. So Mm -hmm. I want to talk a minute about, about the, the state of our world with therapists and how, I was reading an article, actually, I think our president Lisa sent it to me and it was, it was saying that 60% of U.S. counties don't have a psychotherapist and that in the other stat that I remember is in New York, there are 612 therapists per 100,000 people and in Idaho, there are none. Wow. And, you know, Carl and I were talking earlier about the fact that his license is in New York. And so it's really tricky for him to help people who don't live in New York. So can you talk to everybody a little bit about that? And yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you as much as I know, which is not a, a ton, but um from what I've read and what I've, you know, seen on Instagram and, you know, different social media platforms that I'm on, mostly like where I network with therapists is on Instagram. So if anyone is looking for a therapist or just trying to follow a therapist and their work in terms of like, you know, thinking better, living better holistically, there's a lot of great therapists on Instagram and uh, during the pandemic. I found a great network of therapists on Instagram. So that might be something worth checking out if you're on Instagram. So anyhow, as I'm on Instagram and, you know, other social media platforms like Twitter, I see things like legislations or different like bills being passed or pushed forward. And one of them, I think it's the American Counseling Association or one of the counseling associations that have been continuously lobbying and trying to push the effort to allow um, state licensures to be across state lines and to make it easier to get a license or transfer a license from state to state and to be able to do like uh, telehealth counseling or telecounseling across state lines. Because as it stands now, if someone lived in Florida and they wanted counseling and they reached out to me in New York state, I don't think ethically i could do that i don't think i could you know counsel them and 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 bill them through their insurance because as it stands now and and it could have changed as i'm speaking i i have no clue haven't looked into it recently but i think that's one of the barriers is that and and it and there could be a slight difference between the telehealth aspect and the actual licensure of the therapist moving to another state. So these could actually be two different issues. But I know for sure one of the issues is like if I were to move from New York State to Virginia, which I did at one point, 
the licensure requirements are so different. And it's like, it really shouldn't be that way. If, if a therapist is at New York State, he should he or she should be able to go to Virginia and still be able to function as a licensed professional therapist. But other states might make require you to do more on top of already being licensed in another state. And I think that's primarily what they're trying to address. But I also think the telehealth thing is something that's in the, you know, in the works as well, where if someone in Idaho, I think that's the state you said, right? Idaho. Mm -hmm. If Idaho is no therapist, how are they getting therapists? No, no therapists want to move there or no therapists are living there. And I don't know if any therapists are going to just get up and move to Idaho. So what is a what is one easy solution is to be like, hey, how about telehealth with some people in New York State or Florida or, you know, California? How about that? And that's a first step to kind of help alleviate some of those issues in Idaho. You know what I mean? So if it's not a primary concern right now, it definitely should be one of them, you know. Yeah. And And as you're saying that, I'm thinking it was one per 100,000 in Idaho. So I need to double check that, but I'm pretty sure it was was one. And where in New York, it was 612 per 100,000. So there's a huge gap. I mean, obviously there's a bigger population, but if you're doing it per 100,000 people, then it's, you know, apples to apples. So I agree with you. And I, I never... Um, I don't think I ever understood that every state had their own requirements. And I don't, I don't know why that is. I mean, it seems like if you're licensed as a therapist and you have a psychology degree and you, you know, have clients that why would it be different in each state and what could we do? I don't know. Maybe it's a lobby issue with with Congress or. That's what they're working on now. Like I said, I think there 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 has been progress. Like again, I don't I don't know all the details. I've just kind of read up on it briefly. Yeah. But if you if you do a search or look into it a little bit, I think there has been progress made where there's been, I think, like ten or twelve states that have agreed, like, hey, we are locking arms, we are in agreement that if you're in this state, you can come over to this state. And it's like, if I'm not mistaken, it's like 10 or 12 states. And the number keeps going up Okay. Uh, since the last, like from when I first saw it, it was like at five. Now I think it's at like 10 or 12. So mm-hmm. the number is going up where if someone's like in New York and they move to, let's say Idaho is one of the, you know, partnering states. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, dude, you don't have to because... When I first got my license, it was, I think for New York State, it's 3,000 clinical hours. Like when you, you know, we get out of grad school, you have to sit under a supervisor for 3,000 hours. And then you take the exam, which was like, I don't know, 200 bucks, 250 bucks to pay for that. And then if you fail it, you got to, you know, pay for it again, like any other thing. But, um, but when I was in Virginia, because I was actually in Virginia, when I my wife and I got married, we were dating long distance. When I when we got married, I moved to Virginia, but I was still going to grad school in New York because I had uh, my classes met one weekend per month. 
So that gave me the ability to still live in Virginia and then just come up one weekend a month to take classes. That was only for like eight months or something because I was graduate at the end of my graduation. Anyhow, I looked at the license requirements for Virginia and theirs was 4,000 hours under a supervisor. So a thousand hour difference. And you look at it and say, why? Like, why the difference? Is mm -hmm. it more competitive? Is it more, do they take counseling more serious? You know, do they? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think that could be part of it. You know, like we, we want our therapists to be extra trained and battle tested. Mm -hmm before we give them over to licensure, you know, I don't know, but anyway. yeah. Well, since we're pre-recording this, I might do a little research and um, have an update for you guys at the end of this video, or if you find anything else that could be helpful to the audience, do you send it to me or we could, sure. we could maybe just get, provide an update at the end of this video for people who are interested in, in learning more. But I, I know for sure there is a shortage everywhere and anybody who's tried to get an appointment with a therapist in the last two years even most of them have to wait or they have an issue and i think that's a, another reason why building this community is so important because if you are in need of therapy or support and you can't get therapy then you know peer support is the next best thing and we can um help you with resources in your area we can help connect you with maybe people in our community that are going through similar things or have gone through similar things so that's kind of the resource we hope to be for everyone that joins our community or comes to our events and so hopefully hopefully that is you know becomes a bigger resource you know we're we're growing but we have a long way to go yeah, no, I understand that. And it's interesting as we're talking, I just thought about this. I'm like thinking of all the work it must have taken to get people to realize the importance of mental health, you know, to get millions of people on board, to break the stigma and to bring awareness and to bring hope. And then all of a sudden we don't even have enough therapists now. You know what I mean? And so it's like, Everyone, everyone now is on board and or not everyone, but a lot of people seem to be like, dude, it, mental illness is no joke. We need to take it serious. But then it's like, but now we don't have enough therapists. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so maybe and maybe we had enough and that people are just like the things that, you know, that we're doing, these initiatives that we're doing, we're bringing so much awareness that the demand is just going up. You know what I mean? So I'm sure there's a lot of factors with that, but it's just interesting that, you know, I think a lot of therapists and, and just people who suffer from mental illness have been like, we need more awareness around this. Mm -hmm. And now there is more, but then now there's a shortage of therapists, you know? Well, I've, I've also learned in the last few years, just in my conversations with people that I come across there's a lot of the younger generation that are going to therapy as preventative you know like I think my generation and older people were like I need that if I have a problem or if I have a diagnosis or whatever but I think a lot of the younger generation is like therapy is what keeps me from having to deal with all of that 
Yeah. So I think that might be a part of it too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. And I love it. I love the, um, the willingness, the ease of, uh, the conversation with younger, younger people, man, because they're just like, dude, this is like breathing air. Like therapy is important, you know? So. It really is. I mean, even, even if you don't have a therapist or you can't afford it, or you can't get access to that right now, it's having a, you can all, anybody can always reach out to me. Um, it might take me a minute to get back to you, but (laughs) I would be happy to have a conversation with anybody. I'm not a licensed therapist, but I have done a ton of research and just through having this nonprofit for two and a half years now, it's, it's taught me so much. And so, you know, however I could help anybody, let me know. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Facebook, we have a, we have a Facebook group too called Scars to Stars Live and anybody can join that. You can find it if you search, um, but make sure you put Scars to Stars Live because there are some other Scars to Stars group, but we do own the trademark for that name now. So that is, um super exciting for us that we we don't we don't want to keep anyone else from using it we just didn't want anyone to say that we couldn't so that's kind of why we did that but um well carl do you have anything else you want to add and then after that would you tell people where to find you sure let me see so for me you know I'm, i'm whenever i'm doing counseling or even just talking on the um surviving depression facebook group which is also you know, if anyone out there is like, hey, we need a we need a support group. We need a, a group of friends. Join join that. Join it if you would like, because we talk about we like whenever one of the members are going through something, we will post it. I'll post things myself and then you'll have members chiming in, you know, just like any other group, you know, where it's just like, hey, I got this issue. What do you guys think? You know, um. But one of the things I like to tell people who's dealing with depression, anxiety, any any mental illness, really, or just struggling mentally or with a, a, a relational conflict is to journal. Journaling to me is the most powerful, one of the most powerful things I think I've ever started doing. And I, I live by it now and I don't do it every day like I want to. But when I do, it's just so good for me. And um, just writing out what I'm thankful for and writing out what's troubling me. And the same way we talk to human beings, I think, you know, writing on paper, writing on chalkboard or not chalkboard, whiteboard. If you got a chalkboard, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but writing writing stuff out is like uh, having that sounding board of some sort, whether it's a person whether it's an audio recorder, whether it's whiteboard, notebook, mm-hmm. it just, it's something about it built in us as humans to get that out of us. It's, it's a helpful thing. And so I always encourage everybody to journal. And a lot of people are like, it's so hard. And I'm like, you know, it, it may be, it's easy for some, it's harder for others, but just write, write your thoughts out, write your thoughts out and talk about it. And, and, you know, maybe it'll prepare you to talk to your therapist at some point, or you could just have this dialogue with yourself and that's helpful too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what I would say. And I guess leave people with that is to journal uh, what you're thankful for and what's troubling you. And over time, you will even look back months 
years mm-hmm. later and say, man, and that's how, I, that's how I was able to write my book. I kept journal entries and those, all that stuff came from my journals. And so um, I was able to go back years later and go, okay, this is what happened that summer when I went on, you know, break with depression and I was able to write in detail what happened. So I would encourage people to do that. Yeah, that's great. And I, I will say journaling is one of the things that really helped me the most when I finally decided to speak up about my story. Um, and I had not processed any of that stuff for two decades and I had stuffed it all down and it took a lot for me to even remember a lot of things because I didn't journal during that time, <laughs> but journaling really helped me get it out of my head and help me process in a way that I could talk about it without being emotional. And I think that's part of like compartmentalizing things. Like when you journal and it's, it's in this book over here now, yeah. but it's not like in your head as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it, it really, really helped me as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, well, if you want to say anything, but don't forget to tell people. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if you want to find out more about what I do, you can visit beinglight.org. It is, um, you know, my website where um, I have some information about my private practice, information about the surviving depression, Facebook group, information about my book and a lot of also my podcast, I don't really do new episodes now, but there's a lot of old episodes on there with uh, just talking about multiple topics around depression, from thyroids to uh, postpartum depression to counseling children who are dealing with depression. I have therapists on there. I have, uh, you know, just everyday people on there, too, talking about how depression has affected them depression and uh and people with their faith and so yeah if you want to check that out you could check that out too but i'm also there's a list of all the podcasts that i've ever been on and so um you can just go and check all that out right there on the uh on the website awesome well thank you for sharing and and being here and having this conversation with me and my pleasure hopefully at one one or both of us will give you an update at the end of this video about some of the st- stats about the availability of therapists. Yeah. But thank you, Carl. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy you joined us for this conversation. My wish is that you found comfort and hope in your own unique situation. If you resonated with our message, please head over to therealizedfoundation.org where you can apply to write your own story in one of our books. You can also download our 60 Ideas for Self-Care on the resources page. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, you are not alone, you are worthy, and you are enough.